0: Welcome back to Twibley, Or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he's gonna shop smart. He's gonna shop S smart. It's Mr. Jeff McLargeuge.
1: I am so smart. S M R T. I mean S M A R T. Yes. H- Hello, Bill. Happy week of Christmas. How are you?
0: Hi. Yeah. Merry Christmas or or, or something. Yeah. I think we've established over the past couple of years that I'm, I'm not really that much of a Christmas person. Mm, um, me neither. I mean, well, you for the last you know 20 or so years have had kids in your house, so yeah, um, they do it's, make it's a you different a dynamic.
1: They definitely do make you a Christmassy person. My kids are older now; they yeah. just send me a list and links to Amazon things, and they're like, "Hey Santa, okay, <laughs> thank you." It generally includes size, sizes, and colors, so that makes things easy.
0: For years, my Christmas tradition was, you know, I mean, well, generally speaking, I do Christmas Eve because
1: we're French Canadians over here.
0: Right. Uh, and that's that was always been the, the thing, you know, growing
1: up. So wait, this this actually begs a question. Do you call it Christmas okay. Eve or do you call it Christmas heave? Being French Canadian. Do you add the H to the beginning of words that have just a vowel that starts them?
0: That's probably a different province of Canada, but nice attempt <laughs> at a joke. <laughs> I appreciate your uh i appreciate your humor
1: oh, um, well, it was worth a try
0: so we always did christmas eve growing up at my house and that's kind of like the same thing because i got one relative my brother and he's married so christmas day they usually spend with like his wife's family right and sometimes they go along to that sometimes they don't um but christmas eve you know Norman, my brother and i usually hang out a lot of times i would like okay See you later, and then just jump in my car and drive to wherever I was planning on going. Most of the time, it was Florida, but right, right. Uh, my my destinations have changed over the years.
1: Planning to go anywhere for Christmas this year?
0: I don't have any plans uh, as of this recording, and probably as of right now. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have anything going on. Christmas being on a Sunday is uh, convenient. I'll tell you that. Right, right. <laughs> No I, well, I mean, I went to Cincinnati, yes. for Thanksgiving, right. so, and then I went to see you the you know the following weekend, right. so uh, i'm I'm talking like it already happened, but it hasn't right
1: What's uh, well, the secret, beauty? Though. The beauty of existing in linear time?
0: yep, and do you have, do you ever wonder stuff like this? like you know, here we are, like middle age, you have two you know, adult and barreling towards adult children. Do you ever wonder, like, when your, your your parents were your age, if they were wicked cynical about Christmas, or if that's, like, kind of a modern thing?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know. My parents always seemed to enjoy it, even though it was seemed to be stressful. My mom still yeah. does. My dad, eh, he was usually, this is going to sound terrible, but he was usually, like, a little bit hungover on Christmas. Right. So I don't, yeah. I don't know if he was not super Christmassy because of that, or if he just wasn't super Christmassy because... Eh, Christmas or or what. But it was always fun when I was a kid and they always made it fun for us.
0: I think as for the last uh, however many years it's been, close to 20 years of some sort of social media, we have increasingly becoming not too much more than a meme-driven society. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it started with a couple of years ago that everybody was complaining. I'm not going to say a couple of years ago. It was a few years ago. Everybody started complaining that the Christmas stuff started too early. And now everybody's complaining that people are complaining that the Christmas stuff is starting too early. And it's like, I say I don't like Christmas because really it's almost impossible for me to enjoy. Yeah. Because everybody bitches about it. And it's just complaining. And I'm not a negative person. So it's just I don't know I just I kind of can't be bothered.
1: Well, I mean for me the at least my personality is I don't like to not meet other people's expectations. So that makes uh-huh. it very stressful as a both as a parent and, you know, as a boyfriend and all that sort of stuff. So I try not to super duper overcompensate and put myself in the poorhouse and I also try not to ignore the whole thing and then sort of shrug my shoulders and go like I don't really understand the holiday anyway. But it's, it's a weird balance I'd say it's trying to participate But knowing at some point my kids are going to be on their own With their own families And I'm going to be like I don't have to get a Christmas tree this year <laughs> 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 Hallelujah You know
0: I have never had a Christmas tree in my life Never once It's great
1: But I mean, I've, you know So I count that as like I got that to look forward to But, uh, <laughs> you know That's, that's just me Alright, well, before we get the this bottom bug episode right. started Yeah, we don't um, need to be blah, it's just it's not It's a funny thing, like, I'm way more geared towards Halloween or Labor Day or, or Memorial Day It's springtime holidays where people get together to be outside and eat barbecue food and drink beer and talk and play volleyball and stuff Christmas is way more stayed Yeah, I think it's like Thanksgiving
0: without as much politics. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, before we get our show started, I do have my very popular and always well received trivia question. Young Jeff, who holds the record and what song for the most amount of streams on Spotify in a 24 hour period?
1: Oh, my gosh. Uh, Okay, well, I guess at the end of the show, I'll get that wrong.
0: Yeah. Well, put it this way, whenever I was just double-checking my answer, I thought it was going to be a super easy one, but uh, curveball. Uh, But anyway, that's a little bit of a spoiler. So anyway, this is going to be the week beginning, December the 19th, and I believe it is your turn to start.
1: All right. December 19th, 1843, Charles Dickens' story, A Christmas Carol, is first published, and 6,000 copies of it are sold, which doesn't sound like a big deal. 6,000 copies is not a huge amount of books. Mm -hmm. But it is a huge amount of books in 1843. And it was monumentally popular. And it's still so popular that it gets done as high school plays, remade as films, done in read arounds at, at different reading groups and stuff, even today. So the Let story. Me tell you something. The story resonates, I think.
0: I cannot abide a Christmas Carol. And I'm sure it's a fantastic story. I'm sure those 6,000 copies were just sizzlers. But. It has been overdone on like to at a point where I can't take it anymore. It's I get it. I know. I get it. All right. Like every sitcom in the 70s did some sort of like Christmas Carol. Redemption, like
1: did, redemption arc. That's what that's yeah, called in Yeah, Christmas
0: Carol type of redemption arc for one of their characters. I remember the like one of the better ones was the one on the odd couple. But there was like Rich Little did a Christmas Carol special on the HBO in the seventies or I'm gonna say the seventies or eighties that they would show every year. Yep. There's Mickey's Christmas Carol, Muppets Christmas Carol. Um, you know, I'm sure SpongeBob has a Christmas Carol. <laughs> you know, Mr. Bean has <laughs> a of. Christmas Carol for Christ's yeah. sake. Yeah.
1: I think that's a testament to how good the story is, uh, and and how the journey of Ebenezer Scrooge from rotten, terrible skin flint having his life scared out of him by three ghosts and making him at least a better person for one day still resonates with people. Um, I have never read the source material, but I've seen dozens upon dozens of versions of it produced as films and plays and radio plays and stuff. I always enjoyed it.
0: Well, I'm done with it. (laughs) Like I said, I I would probably enjoy it a lot more if it wasn't beaten to the absolute death. Ground, right, you know, and pound it into dust. All right, moving on to December the twentieth, December the twentieth, nineteen sixty-two. The Osmond brothers make their debut on the Andy Williams show, singing, "I'm a Ding Dong Daddy from it's, it's it's Dumas, but I my body just wants to say dumbass, mm. but <laughs> I'm a Ding Dong Daddy from Dumas." I'm a ding-dong daddy
1: from Dua's. I haven't heard the Osmond Brothers referenced as a group of brothers in 40-some-odd years. They used to be show up on 70s TV now and then. I think yeah. they had a couple of specials where the, the Osmond Brothers would like doing a variety show. Right. I always remembered liking them as a kid. Yeah, I had no idea that they started as far back as 62, though. Right uh, now, this was
0: Alan Wayne Merrill and Jay. Right later on, they would get Donnie and Jimmy added on, and then little Marie Osmond at the very end. That's a lot of kids, man. I mean, it is a to, lot. Like for them all to be in show business is like that's kind of rare. Like, yeah, it's a like job, the Jackson dude. family. <laughs> yeah, and that's what's really really funny that you mentioned that because. The Osmonds were kind of like known at one point as the White Jackson Five, but the Osmonds actually superseded the Jackson Five by a few years. At yeah, least. a
1: couple years. Yeah. It's funny because the Osmonds started in 62, they were all under 10. I'm pretty sure yeah. looking at the video well, of them on the Andy that, Williams yeah. show.
0: Yeah, except for the oldest one there, Alan. I'm looking at a picture yeah. now. He looks may, a little bit older than everybody may, else.
1: Maybe he, was, maybe he was 10 and a half. Right <laughs> or eleven, he wasn't much older than that. So like they they end up in the public consciousness and and end up by the time Donnie starts to grow into the band and the the older ones are starting to hit puberty, they start making more rock and rolly records. They they wave fall into like uh, if you listen to their stuff from like 67, 68 they sound a yep. lot like the Fifth Dimension, former worst sure. song ever, and other bands that that did that sort of sunshine sunshine folk rock. Right, super duper non-threatening, very welcome out in the Midwest, and made their way onto TV a lot, and became teen idols. Especially Don. <laughs> can Donnie. you
0: imagine? Can you imagine if the Osmonds like stayed relevant into the '90s and then had like a grunge album?
1: Just <laughs> 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 yeah, that would be just moping around, staring funny. at
0: their shoes and stuff like that. I'm looking at this like video without the sound on. Thank me later. Uh, And the oldest one there, Alan, he seriously looks like a serial killer. He is making some creepy freaking eyes at the camera. Stop it, young man. Stop it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: they all look like they borrowed someone else's teeth. They all look like they have giant teeth (laughs) in that video. Um, But they all grew into their teeth, kind of, uh, as they grew up. But they definitely have a distinctive look. I remember Donnie and Marie being super duper popular in the 70s. They had their own TV show for a couple of years at least.
0: Yeah, that was uh, standard viewing over at my grandmother's yeah,
1: house. Yeah, same was, uh, with, same with she me. She really enjoyed. It's like, oh, you got to watch that yep. Donnie Marie. My dad used to roll his eyes so far back into his head he could see his own brain when that show started. But <laughs> he used to let us used to let us watch it because we liked it.
0: They were uh, Donnie and Marie actually were still doing like a Vegas residency together as uh, recent as a few years ago. I remember seeing it on the marquee when I was
1: there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, there's People are fans and they'll always be fans and they'll still go out to see them. It was like when uh, when David Cassidy was doing his residency and he was only doing like seven or eight songs because there, he doesn't have a cat, giant catalog of stuff, but people would still come every night to see him play. So, eh, you know, I guess going back to 62 is good. I know there was some news a few months back where, what's the oldest brother's name, Alan? Yeah. Where Alan retired. And when he did his last song on his last set on stage I think it was in Vegas like Don, he, he waved Donnie up and Donnie came up and sang the song with him and then they both stayed on stage and cried for a while and like that's really touching and beautiful for a career that lasted that long and had and had that many that many highs so
0: oh hey Jeff guess what oh it's the end of the world as we know it. So yeah, uh, December the 21st, 2012, according to some, uh, the ancient Mayan calendar predicted the
1: end of the world on December 21st, 2012. <laughs> oh, did that happen, uh, Bill? I can't remember. So, let me let me go oh, back to my
0: notes. Well, seeing as we're recording a podcast, I'm going to say no, <laughs>
1: it didn't happen. <laughs> hold on, let me see if my iPhone goes back that far on its calendar feature. Oh, let me check, hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see now. November 2021. It doesn't go back that far. I guess we did. The world did end, and then it was restarted again. Yeah, I remember what I did. I bought another calendar, that, and that was the end of it. Oh, was it hard to get that giant rock thing into your house? And no, where do you find just, Mayans uh, to make them this time? Is that do they have like a kiosk at the mall every year, like around Christmas time?
0: The closer that that I get is a Central American uh, who happens to be in a bikini for the Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit calendar that I have. Oh,
1: Miss Ecuador. <laughs> 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 Moving on to the actual day. Yeah, December 21st, 1937. The very first feature-length, fully animated film with color and sound is released. And that film, Bill, is Snow White. Released by the Walt Disney Corporation. And the Seven Dwarfs? It it was just called uh, Snow White. I don't know if it's called Snow White and the Seven
0: Dwarfs. I think it is called Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and I think you're wrong. I don't know. Because the actual story is
1: there's 10 dwarves. I'm going to look this up. All right. Well, you do that.
0: Because somehow we know that there's, it's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Can
1: you name all seven dwarfs
0: while you're looking that up? If I thought for a second. Yeah. Hold on. So, let me see. Um, yeah. It says right here, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, 1937. All right.
1: Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it is. All right. So, the Seven Dwarfs are uh, Sleepy. Yep. Sneezy. Yes. Doc, Yep. Bashful. Mm-hmm. Dopey. Yes. Grumpy. Uh-huh.
0: Horny. no, <laughs> Nope.
1: Uh Vindictive. <laughs> 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 Bad with money. No, that's not him. Know. Uh. Colloquially
0: known as. No, who am I missing? I'm missing one.
1: Uh I think you're missing Happy. Isn't there happy?
0: Happy! Figures, at the beginning of the show, me all being all grumpy and stuff like that about Christmas. I was Christmas does I that, that to you.
1: Yeah, Happy's you, the one that I was missing. Yep. Sacrifice the Happy Dwarf for Christmas. That's right. That should be our new tagline. We should make pins that say that. Sacrifice the Happy uh, Dwarf for Christmas.
0: Uh, so that was the first animated film that was full length with color and sound.
1: Right. So that's pretty, uh, it's pretty
0: awesome. I'm giving way to... Many, many other Disney films.
1: Yeah, there, it was right a, there. it was, it was a big hit too. Uh, I remember the song we used to sort of sing. I mean, I used to sing it when I was a kid was "Someday My Prince Will Come." Oh, I think I say "Whistle While You Work." No, that, no, that one everybody sang that one because that was on like every compilation Disney record ever. But I had right. the, I had the soundtrack to this one. Oh, did either you? Either on eight track, yeah, eight track or something. It was an old. It was old. Old Bill. It may have been sung uh-huh. by dinosaurs. That's how old it was. Um, but yeah, uh, I always remember how beautiful that song is, the Someday My Prince Will Come song.
0: Yeah, and also the Hi-Ho song, for sure. Yes. All right. That song is a
1: whole new meeting now.
0: <laughs> Actually, the the whole story of Stonewall and Seven Dwarfs is a little creepy in 2022, but hey, what are you going to do, guys? Huh? Moving on to the 22nd. December 22nd, 2001, first cloned pet. C.C., the cat, uh, is born. C.C. stands for copycat or carbon copy. Uh, she was cloned by scientists at the Texas A&M University.
1: Why? Why are people doing this? What I want to know is like, how do they verify? I've had cats that are like tabby cats. And they yep. have a bunch of kittens and there's inevitably a tabby cat if you have a tabby cat that has tabby kittens that looks exactly like the mother tabby cat. It's yeah. not a clone. It just looks exactly no. like the mother.
0: You know. <laughs> so uh, so in 2006, our good friend over here, CeCe, uh, she gave birth to kittens. And this is the first time that a cloned pet gives birth. CC appears to be free of any cloning-related health problems that have arisen in some other animal clones. Listen, you Simon Bond sinister weirdos. Why are you doing this? This is not the way the evolution works. You're halting. You're you're putting a speed bump in the evolution process. Stop, Simon it. stop, it, stop says, it! Stop it! Stop it!
1: clone. Yeah. What I want to say is like, so are we talking? Considering it's nearly Christmas, right? Are we talking cloned kitty? Or are we talking immaculate conception kitty? Maybe the CC yeah. is for Christ kitty or kitty Christ. <laughs> 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 uh, we'll check back in 33 kitty years and see where he's at. So
0: in the nineteen nineties there was a very uh controversial or evocative, however you want to say the word, uh series of comics in the Spider Man era called the Clone Saga, where Peter Parker had been cloned. It ended up just happening that the clone just like degenerated because clones don't live as uh, like long and natural lives. Right. And I was just picturing like CC the cat just like bleh, like just degenerating into like into this woman's arms like like the Spider Man clone did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bad kitty. Ew.
0: Bad kitty. We covered this, I think, before earlier, like with Barbara Streisand. She like had her dog cloned like three times over. Right. Move on, Babs. I think it's kind of like neat, as you like to say. I think it's neat that we can do this, but it's one of those just because you can. Why? Why are you doing it? Right. You know? What is it one of those what just because the, what, you
1: can? Doesn't mean you should, right. Right.
0: I, I yeah. don't know what your long game is. All
1: yeah, right. I don't, so exactly. I don't know what your long game yeah. is either.
0: Yeah, you'll, the long game is sinister. There's no other way around it. Yep. <laughs>
1: All right, December 23rd. December 23rd, 1815, a book by Jane Austen known as Emma is published by John Marion Lennon. And by at that time, Jane Austen was a super popular author. She'd already scored uh-huh. a couple of hits with Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. Okay. Which is the story of a a girl who sort of plays matchmaker amongst her friends, yep, was very popular and re- has remained so so that the story of Emma kind of underwrites, I don't know fifty percent of like teen romantic comedies that are made and have really? been made since films started, yeah. So this
0: doesn't sound familiar to me at all. Like what so, what movies? Hey, so, me some examples. so,
1: some of the some of the films that are directly inspired by or based on, and some that are d- definitely inspired by but not directly based on uh, Emma are. So directly inspired by and or based on Emma are Clueless with Alicia Silverstone, which is a okay one for one version of that. There are also like almost annual prestige productions of Emma. There's a recent one with Anya Taylor-Joy. There's some others that have come after that that are super popular, too. Yeah. Um, but there's also, like, She's All That and some of the films, like, not so much John Hughes' stuff, but some of the sort of secondhand John Hughes comedies from the 80s.
0: That trope of um, She's All That, okay, I can see that Emma's influence is definitely you know, everywhere for sure. Right, right. You know, there's no like, there's not really a lot of direct retellings of it, but right. like its influences is, uh, is definitely. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good story
1: a too. It's, you know, the yeah. girl is trying to match makes realizes she's falling for the the person who gives her the best advice and that yeah. she has like a really platonic relationship with because of that person's position with her family. And it, it's only after she's able to realize how badly she, like, messes up other people's lives and existences that, <laughs> that she can straighten her own. It's a really fun story, and uh, yeah. I would urge you all to, to, to read it or see one of the adaptations of it.
0: Yeah, I can see there's been quite a few Emma movies, most recently in 2020. Okay. No yeah.
1: yeah, it keeps getting remade. The one with Gwyneth Paltrow is really good. The one with uh, Alicia Silverstone is really good. The one with um, Anya Taylor Joy is really good, and there's a couple of like prestige ones from BBC TV that come around. I think they make one of those every two years by by law.
0: Yeah, they're contractually obligated, right? Yeah, right. All right, moving on to December the twenty fourth, December the twenty fourth of nineteen fifty five. that's when NORAD started tracking Santa Claus. Oh, you ever do that? You ever <laughs> yeah. do that like online and stuff like that? Yes. Yeah. That, yes, I did. That, Yeah, that tradition goes all the way back to 1955. But here's the thing. Colorado Springs, Colorado, right? There was a Sears store that ran an advertisement asking children to call Santa. However, they misprinted the phone number, (laughs) which uh, actually gave the phone number to Conad, uh, which was the forerunner to NORAD. Right. Conad soldiers started answering the calls, and it became a holiday tradition. Yeah, Sears f***ed up. And they put the they put the NORAD
1: phone number in there by accident, which is really funny. I'm sure the first couple of calls, once that was made public, were like, "Hello, I am an American child, and would like to know location of uh, Santa Claus's intercontinental ballistic missiles. Do you know where those gifts might be uh, for Christmas this year? I would very much enjoy launch codes <laughs> if Christmas presents are being delivered by ICBM." And they were launched from Kansas. How long would it take Santa to get to Moscow? So, yeah.
0: So, yeah, this uh, ended up being a holiday tradition, you know, right up until this year still. They actually do it online now. Yep. Uh, that tradition started in 1997.
1: Yeah. I remember uh, when my, my before my daughter was born even, when Ian was like one or two, that was part of Christmas Eve's routine and became, and stayed that. I think they still go to NORAD now. Uh, and and watch the oh Santa Claus is over Dubai jing 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 you know and, and watch it on Christmas Eve as they get ready to go to bed and then see the things from Amazon that they had me order for them the next morning. How
0: are your children's fake Russian accents? Any good? I I'll have to ask. I don't know. I don't think they, I don't I don't think they do the voices yet, Bill. Oh, all right. Somebody's gonna take the show over.
1: That's right, exactly. All right, and, That's exactly. and and then wrapping up on the twenty fifth. December 25th, 1621, told Governor William Bradford of Plymouth Colony, now known as Massachusetts, forbids game playing on Christmas of all days. All the little pilgrim what? kids wake up. They rush downstairs underneath their Christmas tree and they get their new versions of Monopoly and GameCube and all the other things that like little pilgrim kids <laughs> like. And then they're told they can't play with them or they're going to be burned as witches.
0: I can't play my new Bradford. maze station. Right. <laughs> I got a pine cone. <laughs> I got the pine cone for Christmas, and I can't even play
1: with it. Leave that there till tomorrow.
0: So, yeah. So what a bag of dicks this guy is. So what was his name? William Bradford. He was the first governor of Plymouth
1: or Massachusetts.
0: So this guy sounds like he is the basis for the Burgermeister Meister Burger
1: uh, <laughs> Santa Claus what is, it? is coming that to Santa- town. That's Santa-, mm-hmm. Santa Claus
0: coming to town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There'll be no tour making it to the king. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's right. <laughs> a yo-yo. I used to love the yo-yo. <sighs> Sir, you're playing with a toy. You're breaking your own law. <laughs> and what was the
0: other one there? Um, it was like a oh,
1: choo-choo. That was uh, he, that was the Winter Warlock who gets the choo-choo oh, right, yeah. gift for and me. And then like all the ice melted away. Yes, yeah, Yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you, the households
0: must have been nice and quiet on Christmas morning if the kids can't play It They would have been
1: crying. Ah, I can't yeah. play with my bike old. Ah.
0: <laughs> Let's move on to the celebrity birthdays. Right. December the 19th, 1958, a man who has got screwed over so bad by the record companies. A man by the name of Lymel, who is probably best known for... One of two songs. Uh, Lionel was the lead singer for the band Kajigugu. uh worst band name ever. Mm. Uh, and they had one hit song called Too
1: Shy. I, I'm pretty sure his name is pronounced Lamal, not Lionel. Really? Yeah.
0: Well, it's a stage name, so it could be, I could pronounce it anywhere I want. All right, so Lamal, um, which is still a horrible name. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Yep. It, 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 you didn't make it any better. Um, I
1: know. No, it's not. Don't blame me.
0: Yeah. So anyway, he was uh, the singer for the band Kaja Gugu, and they had a hit song called "Too Shy." And then the record company were like, "Hey, Lamal, you got really cool hair, and you don't need this band. Why don't you have a solo career?" And he did. <laughs> yep. He did the song for the the soundtrack for the movie "The Neverending Story," yeah. which was not a hit. It didn't. It really didn't do too much. And I think it was actually more popular its second time around whenever they used it as a kind of like a laugh line or a
1: laugh point
0: in the Stranger Things season, was it season two maybe, season
1: two, three, whatever. Yeah, one of them. It was one of the ones I didn't watch because the season I watched the big song that was sort of zombified and trundled around for two months after that show, using it was the Ice House song. Oh, right. That's I, become an annual tradition whose on name Stranger I can't Things. Remember. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, it has.
0: Yep. So uh, Lamal, as you corrected me, uh, he went on to some underground fame as DJ Jupiter, but I don't know. I I think he I think he f-ed up real big when he left Cashy Gugu, which is a weird sentence to say out loud.
1: Moving on, December twentieth, eighteen eighty-eight, American baseball player named Fred Merkel is born. He, you may not know him, and Uh-oh. I didn't know him <laughs> until we did the show. He's famous for the error that is named after him, called Merkel's Boner, which occurred at the bottom of the ninth <laughs> of the 1908 World League pennant race, where the Giants hit center field, bringing him in to third for the winning run. The Giants player, Fred Merkel, who'd been on first, considered the game one and headed for the dugout without advancing to second. This resulted in a forced out, and oh. it cost him the game. Oh, really that sucks. So, dude. Rule number one in baseball. I remember them teaching you this teaching me this when I played the league. Don't leave the bases until we tell you the game's over.
0: Right. Do you remember back in like I think it was like nineteen eighty six whenever the the Red Sox were in the World Series and the guy just like messed up and the ball went right between his legs and that like lost them the game and ergo lost them the World Series. Yes. Like that guy had to, like, go to counseling. I think he became, like, suicidal at one point.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that wasn't, that, that wasn't good.
0: Yeah, Merkel from the grave was probably like,
1: finally, people can forget my name. Right. Nope. And my boner. <laughs> Always got to run out the bases until they tell you to come in. Stevie's still
0: running in circles. Right. Eight years later. All right, moving on to uh, December the 21st, 1937. American actress and
1: activist. Jane Fonda. Ah, I remember her from such films as Barbarella.
0: Probably best known for Barbarella. And her father was a famous actor, too. Her father was Henry Fonda. Mm -hmm. And they did a movie together. um,
1: On Golden uh, on Golden Pond. On Golden Pond, yeah. Yeah, Jane Fonda was the star of 9 to 5, too.
0: Yeah, that's right. She was a nine to five. She made a huge name for herself in the early 80s by selling workout videos. Remember those? Yes, I the do. leg warmers and all that. Yep yep, yep. yep.
1: Yeah. The first, she was like the first celebrities got into the aerobics direct marketing. Yep. And was super successful at it. So successful. She made a fan of, of Ted Turner, who married her and uh, that's right. is still married to her.
0: Yep. And uh, they, they still share leg warmers, I'm sure. I'm sure they do.
1: right, moving on. Moving on the 22nd. (laughs) Uh, December 22nd, 1968. Dina Meyer, an actress who had a tremendous amount of potential and then was cast in some eh, less successful movies than probably they should have or could have been and has been doing kind of TV stuff and second banana type direct-to-video things since then. But you may know her best from her role as Jane in Johnny Mnemonic. Or you don't. (laughs) Because no one <laughs> saw that movie but me. Uh, when no, it came I, out. Saw, I saw that movie in the theater. Are you kidding me? I saw it in the theater too. I've watched it recently. Yeah. I wish I'd never seen it uh, again. Uh, anyway, and she was also the character of Dizzy in Starship Troopers. Uh,
0: she was in Saw. Was she really the yeah. first one? Yeah, she played a character named Kerry and I can't place her. Oh, oh okay. I'm looking at her. I'm I'm playing. I'm looking at her IMDb now, and she was in Saw.
1: Okay, so what does so, that tell think, you?
0: I think um Kerry would be the wife with the kids that the 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 guy that's playing the game goes into the house. That's yeah, probably yeah, the, yeah. Okay. Okay.
1: I don't know. I don't remember because I didn't place her so when I saw that film. I would have said like oh it's Dina Meyer. Nope. Yeah, yeah. It went right past me. So
0: So yeah, Dina Meyer is the uh the nineteen nineties version of Jamie Gertz, I guess. Maybe a lot of potential and a lot of crappy movies. Mm-hmm. All right, December the 23rd, 1943, American actor Harry Shearer, who you probably don't even know who he is, yet you do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's true. Harry Shearer was um, the guy with the big mustache in Spinal Tap Derek Smalls. Yeah, in 1984, Spinal Tap. Um, And he was also on Saturday Night Live for a little bit. Mm -hmm. He was in Wayne's World too. He was the handsome. Oh, I forget. It was like Handsome John, the DJ who yeah. wasn't handsome at all. There, right. who just kept going. Yep. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Yes. Uh huh. That guy. He, he was also um, like
1: the star reporter that uh, the main characters were sort of working under in the 1990s American Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. So what does that tell you?
0: Oh no, I didn't see that. I stayed home and watched South Park. That good. Night. Good plan. That was a yep.
1: shrewd, shrewd decision.
0: Yep. Yeah, but uh, most famously, you're going to recognize his voice because he does the voice of Mr. Burns, Ned Flanders, and Otto the Bus Driver, among others, on Principal The Simpsons. Principal
1: Skinner and uh, Kent Brockman.
0: Oh, yeah?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Does all that, yep.
1: Kent Brockman is my, my favorite goofy character on The Simpsons. All right, moving on to the 24th. Uh, December 24th, 1974, Ryan Seacrest, who is a host of American TV <laughs> shows, which is a thing that, like, it's a strange, like, It's rare now, where in the 70s and 60s, it wasn't rare at all to have a host of a variety show or a host of television programs whose job was just to introduce other people. And that's really what Ryan Seacrest is very, 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 very good at. In fact, I look forward to watching him on New Year's Eve, every New Year's Eve, since he's been doing the New Year's Rockin' Eve on, I think it's ABC. He's Yeah, like you said, he's just famous for being...
0: A host, Yep. and nobody else is. Yeah, good, good for you, Ryan. I just hey. remember watching him with Anderson Cooper uh, a couple of years ago, when Anderson <laughs> yeah. Cooper just got progressively more sht faced the whole night by
1: doing c- tequila shots live on TV. I remember that. I remember yeah, yeah. watching. I remember him uh, cool as a cucumber too. What the night? Of the new yeah. again New Year's Rockin' Eve when Mariah Carey came out, and couldn't hear the monitors, and they're just oh, right. blasting her voice over the speakers and she's like, I can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. And she just puts her hands up and walks off stage. And he's like, Hey everybody, isn't it great to see Mariah Carey back doing one of our favorite Christmas songs? As as if that, as if that just didn't
0: happen. The whole thing about that thing is he's so good. You believed it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe she didn't forget all of the lyrics to all I want for Christmas is you and walk off stage. Yeah, maybe I didn't just watch this train derail. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There was one where it was the same year that Taylor Swift, future ex-wife Taylor Swift's 1989 came out, where she was doing Welcome to New York. I stayed up with yeah. Meg because Meg really wanted to watch it. I really wanted to watch it, and she's out yep. there in like a, a sparkly tuxedo jacket that barely covers like her chest, and then right. a pretty much a one like a, a one kini underneath it and a pair of sandal heels, and she's like dancing around and she does the song. And then she's standing on stage next to Ryan Seacrest. Standing next to her is is Lady Gaga in a giant fur coat. There's the yeah. coat, like Anderson Cooper, in a giant fur coat. And there's Ryan Seacrest in a coat. And he asks, like, you know, what is it you want to do next? You know, what do you want to accomplish next year? What's your New Year's resolution? And Lady Gaga says, I want to be not a douchebag. <clears throat> and then he looks over and as he's putting the microphone in front of Anderson Cooper, he realizes that. Taylor Swift is literally about to die from hypothermia because it's like two degrees outside. And he goes, oh, my.
0: <laughs> she's probably shivering so bad that she could walk through a wall yeah, like a yeah, flash. Was, yeah, exactly. She was <laughs>
1: shivering so bad she's starting to phase. And he goes, oh, my God. And he just takes her coat off. He says, and he offers it to her. And she, she like, wraps up. And she just says, oh, God, God bless you. Thank you so much. It's so cold. I felt so bad for her. And I was like, that's a host. That's a guy who's, yeah. like, you know, who, who, like, is in the moment. And knows what's going on, so. And then wrapping
0: up the birthdays, Christmas Day, December 25th, 1946. One of my absolute favorites, and I know he's one of yours, too. uh, Jimmy Buffett, who, honestly, I don't get, but (laughs) I don't know what else to say. American musician and perpetual party guy, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, Jimmy Buffett.
1: His songs remind me of those days in my youth when I would be at Round Hill Beach in Dartmouth and come out of the water and trip over some driftwood and fall in the sand, and then my shorts would get filled with sand, and I'd get a horrifying, painful chafe in my groinal area that would last for weeks.
0: And that's what it's like
1: listening to Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yes, <music>. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of Jimmy Buffett. I'm not a fan I, of his uh, stuff either. But
0: No, no, it's, it's it's not for me. I know some people that are, like, absolute, like, Diehards for Jimmy Buffett, like they go see the concerts every year and stuff like that. Right. Do you, uh, uh, any of your friends, Jimmy Buffett,
1: I do have some friends that are parrotheads, and 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 much love to them. You know, we're just wired differently for sound, apparently. I don't have enough experience with his music other than Margaritaville and Cheeseburger in Paradise and like one or two other songs. Yeah, that's that,
0: the only two I can think of right now. Yeah.
1: So so again, this is f- basically for me, like hearing those two and going, yeah, this isn't for me. The same way if somebody said, like, hey, have you ever eaten uh, a cricket? And I said, no. And I said, here, try one. And I go, you know, this doesn't taste good. And they go, well, yeah. do you want to try a grasshopper? Yeah, you know what? I think I'll skip that. So <laughs> so to me, this is the cricket to grasshopper movement in in um, in music. So, Not my bag of apples. So I
0: am pledging to you right now that somewhere in between now and when the episode actually airs, I'm going to listen to some album tracks from Jimmy Buffett because maybe he's just poorly represented. Next thing you know, I'm wearing Hawaiian shirts and going out to, you know, stepping on a pop top or whatever that lyric is. <laughs> pop pop tart. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's how it might happen. What also might happen is I might say, oh my God, this is... The worst song ever. All right, Jeff. You brought a song to my attention this week, and I'll be honest with you: up until you brought it up, I had never heard it. Yep. And I also wish you hadn't.
1: <laughs> uh, so, in in keeping with recent history, where I find many of my worst songs is while I'm in between either getting ready to go to the floor in the gym or coming off the floor and getting ready to leave the gym to go back home. It was just one of these moments where I was in there and I was grooving along to Dio, Rainbow in the Dark. It's a song that you should be singing in the gym. You're lifting weights because it's an awesome song. Look out! Exactly. And it transitioned from that song into the song by a band named Blackstone Cherry called... Awful name. Like, (laughs) Like I Roll. Got my mama smile and a baby blue eye. I
0: ain't got much, but what I got, man, and I roll
1: like I roll. I, 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 I got an open road and a restless soul. The rolling stones on the radio, and I roll like I And rolled. as I was listening to it, I thought. One, clearly this is a, some insane piece of software that has put this song after that song. So that already tarnishes this song on its own merits. Yeah. Uh, and then two, as I was listening to this song, I thought, wow, this thing has like four things that really drag it, kicking and screaming into the worst song ever. One, what? it's post-grunge rock and roll. So that's basically country. It's country <laughs> with with heavy metal detuning.
0: That's what I said whenever you sent this to me. I was like, this is like a heavy metal country song.
1: Yeah. Which is a sentence I wish I didn't say. Three, there's so much auto tune in this. I'm not even sure human beings sing. <laughs> I know exactly who listens to this band on purpose. Uh, th- and those are people who like listen to Nickelback and Papa Roach and Five Finger Death Punch and still go back oh. and listen to like Creed's greatest hits. Like it's that group of people that likes that kind of. It's hard rock, but it's not classic rock, and it's not metal. It sort of sometimes shows up on rock and roll radio, but not that often. But it has a big, big bass that straddles into bro country. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's where this fits.
0: Whenever you brought up those first couple of bands like Papa Roach and Five Finger Death Punch, I was like, well, they are a lot heavier than this Blackstone Cherry. I think they they lean a lot closer to Florida Georgia Line than they do Papa Roach.
1: Yes. They um, definitely do. But again, they share an audience. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is the audience that, that would make a mixtape would have all of songs from these bands on it and be like, I made you a mixtape.
0: Yeah.
1: And <laughs> you could go from track to track and there's enough similarities between the songs that you'd see how they all sort of fit into the same sort of generalized milieu that that person would listen to. So it's got, like I said, it's got one foot in bro country and one foot in Nickelback style, sort of not super heavy metal.
0: There's also this, like, trend, I guess you want to say, where a lot of American rockers, like, just jumped on this country. I don't want to call it a bandwagon. I'm going to call it, like, a caboose of a, <laughs> of a train or something, like a bunch of hobos, because, um, like, Bon Jovi, my God, dude, Bon Jovi was, like, the epitome of glam metal in the 1980s you couldn't get any bigger and then like he started going country it became this like piece of americana somehow the hootie i can't remember his name the 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 hootie of hootie and the blowfish he leaned heavy into
1: the country (laughs) yes Uh, when you say that i was i almost yelled out the blowfish (laughs) Uh, that's that's not i know you mean the singer and his name is um his name is darius rucker
0: oh right okay that's it that Hootie's a much easier name to uh, to remember. So at any rate, yeah, he went all country, and then former Worst Song Ever alumni, Kid Rock, who can't keep his genres straight anyway, um, he leaned heavy into the country. And I even know some local musicians who were like definite rocker dudes in the 80s who kind of leaned into this like bro country half and half mix, whatever you want to call it.
1: Yeah. The specific back to this song by Blackstone Cherry, you know, all of the stuff that we've said to this point, notwithstanding, it's yeah. a very sort of standard, like, we're a hard-working band who plays songs all the time in clubs Song. Yeah. That's what this song is about. It, absolutely nothing wrong with like Southern rock or being a country rock band and, and leaning into that, that genre. I, there's a lot in that genre that I like, but songs about touring are not one of the things. I, if I never hear another song about how hard it is to tour, I'll be a happy man.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. you know what's really hard?
1: Going to a job you hate every day. How's that? Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I do I my mean, country rock song like, I'm an office jockey. I ride on a chair with wheels. Uh, sit at a keyboard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going yeah,
1: to write a song about my
0: carpal tunnel syndrome from working with a mouse for <laughs> the last 35 years.
1: I decided not to take the stairs and took the elevator up one flight. Earned that calorie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And also going back to Bon Jovi, even when he was still in the glam, he had that song "I'm a Cowboy yeah. on a Steel Horse I Ride." Yeah, and remember the video just showing the uh, the the hard day to day life of private jets and five star hotels. <laughs> what a life!
1: <laughs> yes, it's terrible. Yeah. Checking checking it out not not at the Holiday Inn Express for certain. Um,
0: well, if there's any saving grace, Blackstone Cherry. I'm looking at their Spotify right now. So they yeah they have like. You know, just under a million monthly listeners. So that yeah, they haven't reached like Florida Georgia Line level of pissing me off where, where Florida Georgia Line has almost like eleven million monthly right. listeners. Like yeah. what are you Oh my God. I mean, I don't expect people to be listening to like Barnes and Barnes and stuff, but what on earth do you people enjoy and why? Yeah. Uh so going back, speaking of monthly listeners and Spotify, Jeff, uh what uh, my trivia question this week was who has the world record for most Spotify listens in a 24 hour period I thought this was going to be an easy question but somewhere in between me thinking up this question and asking it the, uh, the record was broken so
1: have well, at it well seeing as I have no I don't use Spotify so yeah. this is the equivalent of asking me like what number am I thinking of right now? (laughs) And I say, Mm -hmm. seven. And you go, oh, Um, 7.1. I have no idea, so I'm just going to throw out uh, it's the Shag's philosophy of the world, and it's 40 billion listens a minute.
0: So that's a pretty good guess, but the most streamed songs in a 24-hour period, it took place October 15th of last year, but as of this printing that I'm looking up right now, the most streamed tracks... In 24 hours is "Easy on Me" by your friend there, Adele.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good tune.
0: Yeah, I remember you saying you like that one. With I almost, do like that one. Almost 18 million listens in one day.
1: Yeah, I was at least four of those. No, I wasn't because I don't <laughs> use Spotify. But uh, I um, I, had, I bought the record from uh, the iTunes store.
0: So the reason why I thought it was going to be an easy one because prior to Adele going all kung fu nasty over here, the record was. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You with 17 million on Christmas Eve of 2021 and then she had broken her previous record of the previous Christmas Eve with 17,223. Oh jeez. Uh, yeah, actually with the exception of Adele, the top 5 most streamed songs are all Christmas songs.
1: That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, significantly expanded audience that defines that that Spans all genres, I think.
0: And like you said, it's it's also going to be a like people's playlists and stuff. These,
1: like. Even I put on Christmas playlists. You know, my kids yeah. both use Spotify; they put on Christmas playlists. So guaranteed, they're they're counting for some of that.
0: Hey, here's a here's a bonus trivia question: Who doesn't have a Christmas playlist? Uh, Bill with one L from the Twibley Podcast uh,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would rather listen to Jimmy Buffett.
1: There you all go. Right. All maybe, right. Maybe maybe listen to his maybe you can listen to his Christmas album.
0: Oh, does that exist? I'm sure it does.
1: I'm sure Christmas crabs in my crotch with Jimmy Buffett.
0: (laughs) All right. So that is going to wrap up the show for this week. We will see you back here in six days because on Christmas Day, we will have our annual worst Christmas songs ever episode. And then we'll see you again on the following Monday.
1: Yes. Yes, Uh, we will.
0: But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. Uh, Say goodnight, Jeff. Good
1: night, Jeff. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Ho, ho, ho. Bye, everybody. A special shout-out to James Costa for our theme music. Thank you for listening to Twibbly, Or this week was way better than last year. You can find us or message us over on Facebook or Instagram or the hot new social media app that I just made up called SPAC Group. That's grouped with two O's and two P's. By looking for Twibley. Subscribe to the podcast. That way you can guess where and how many times Bill had to edit out the phrase, well, there you go, from Jeff's audio track before publication.